Chapter Twelve of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Gloom at Astoria, an ingenious stratagem, the smallpox chief, launching of the dolly, an arrival, a Canadian trapper, a free man of the forest, an Iroquois hunter, winter on the Columbia, festivities of New Year the tidings of the loss of the tonquin and the massacre of her crew struck dismay into the hearts of the astorians they found themselves a mere handful of men on a savage coast surrounded by hostile tribes who would doubtless be incited and encouraged to deeds of violence by the late fearful catastrophe in this juncture mr mcdougall we are told had recourse to a stratagem by which to avail himself of the ignorance and credulity of the savages and which certainly does credit to his ingenuity the natives of the coast and indeed of all the regions west of the mountains had an extreme dread of the smallpox that terrific scourge having a few years previously appeared among them and almost swept off entire tribes its origin and nature were wrapped in mystery and they conceived it an evil inflicted upon them by the great spirit or brought among them by the white men the last idea was seized upon by mr mcdougall he assembled several of the chieftains whom he believed to be in the conspiracy when they were all seated round he informed them that he had heard of the treachery of some of their northern brethren towards the tonquin and was determined on vengeance the white men among you said he are few in number it is true but they are mighty in medicine see here continued he drawing forth a small bottle and holding it before their eyes in this bottle i hold the smallpox safely corked up i have but to draw the cork and let loose the pestilence to sweep man woman and child from the face of the earth the chiefs were struck with horror and alarm they implored him not to uncork the bottle since they and all their people were firm friends of the white men and would always remain so but should the smallpox be once let out it would run like wildfire throughout the country sweeping off the good as well as the bad and surely he would not be so unjust as to punish his friends for crimes committed by his enemies mr mcdougall pretended to be convinced by their reasoning and assured them that so long as the white people should be unmolested and the conduct of their indian neighbors friendly and hospitable the file of wrath would remain sealed up but on the least hostility the fateful cork should be drawn from this time it is added he was much dreaded by the natives as one who held their fate in his hands and was called by way of preeminence the great smallpox chief all this while the labors at the infant settlement went on with unremitting assiduity and by the twenty sixth of september a commodious mansion spacious enough to accommodate all hands was completed it was built of stone and clay there being no cow carcass stone in the neighborhood from which lime for mortar could be procured 
the schooner was also finished and launched with the accustomed ceremony on the second of october and took her station below the fort she was named the dolly and was the first american vessel launched on this coast on the fifth of october in the evening the little community at astoria was enlivened by the unexpected arrival of a detachment from mr david stewart's post on the okanagan it consisted of two of the clerks and two of the privates they brought favorable accounts of the new establishment but reported that as mr stewart was apprehensive there might be a difficulty of subsisting his whole party throughout the winter he had sent one half back to astoria retaining with him only ross montigny and two others such is the hardihood of the indian trader in the heart of a savage and unknown country seven hundred miles from the main body of his fellow adventurers stuart had dismissed half of his little number and was prepared with the residue to brave all the perils of the wilderness and the rigors of a long and dreary winter with the return party came a canadian creole named regis brugiere and an iroquois hunter with his wife and two children as these two personages belong to certain classes which have derived their peculiar characteristics from the fur trade we deem some few particulars concerning them pertinent to the nature of this work brugiere was of a class of beaver trappers and hunters technically called free men in the language of the traders they are generally canadians by birth and of french descent who have been employed for a term of years by some fur company but their term being expired continue to hunt and trap on their own account trading with the company like the indians hence they derive their appellation of free men to distinguish them from the trappers who are bound for a number of years and receive wages or hunt on shares having passed their early youth in the wilderness separated almost entirely from civilized man and in frequent intercourse with the indians they relapse with a facility common to human nature into the habitudes of savage life though no longer bound by engagements to continue in the interior they have become so accustomed to the freedom of the forest and the prairie that they look back with repugnance upon the restraints of civilization most of them intermarry with the natives and like the latter have often a plurality of wives wanderers of the wilderness according to the vicissitudes of the seasons the migrations of animals and the plenty or scarcity of game they lead a precarious and unsettled existence exposed to sun and storm and all kinds of hardships until they resemble indians in complexion as well as in tastes and habits from time to time they bring the peltries they have collected to the trading-houses of the company in whose employ they have been brought up here they traffic them away for such articles of merchandise or ammunition as they may stand in need of at the time when montreal was the great emporium of the fur trader one of these free men of the wilderness would suddenly return after an absence of many years among his old friends and comrades he would be greeted as one risen from the dead and with the greater welcome as he returned flush of money a short time however spent in revelry would be sufficient to drain his purse and sate him with civilized life and he would return with new relish to the unshackled freedom of the forest 
numbers of men of this class were scattered throughout the northwest territories some of them retained a little of the thrift and forethought of the civilized man and became wealthy among their improvident neighbors their wealth being chiefly displayed in large bands of horses which covered the prairies in the vicinity of their abodes most of them however were prone to assimilate to the red man in their heedlessness of the future such was regis brugiere a free man and rover of the wilderness having been brought up in the service of the northwest company he had followed in the train of one of its expeditions across the rocky mountains and undertaken to trap for the trading post established on the spokane river in the course of his hunting excursions he had either accidentally or designedly found his way to the post of mr stewart and had been prevailed upon to ascend the columbia and try his luck at astoria ignace shanawani the iroquois hunter was a specimen of a different class he was one of those aboriginals of canada who had partially conformed to the habits of civilization and the doctrines of christianity under the influence of the french colonists and the catholic priests who seem generally to have been more successful in conciliating taming and converting the savages than their english and protestant rivals these half-civilized indians retained some of the good and many of the evil qualities of their original stock they were first-rate hunters and dexterous in the management of the canoe they could undergo great privations and were admirable for the service of the rivers lakes and forests provided they could be kept sober and in proper subordination but once inflamed with liquor to which they were madly addicted all the dormant passions inherent in their nature were prone to break forth and to hurry them into the most vindictive and bloody acts of violence though they generally professed the roman catholic religion yet it was mixed occasionally with some of their ancient superstitions and they retained much of the indian belief in charms and omens numbers of these men were employed by the northwest company as trappers hunters and canoe-men but on lower terms than were allowed to white men ignace shanawani had in this way followed the enterprise of the company to the banks of the spokane being probably one of the first of his tribe that had traversed the rocky mountains such were some of the motley populace of the wilderness incident to the fur trade who were generally attracted to the new settlement of astoria the month of october now began to give indications of approaching winter hitherto the colonists had been well pleased with the climate the summer had been temperate the mercury never rising above eighty degrees westerly winds had prevailed during the spring and the early part of the summer and been succeeded by fresh breezes from the northwest in the month of october the southerly winds set in bringing with them frequent rain the indians now began to quit the borders of the ocean and to retire to their winter quarters in the sheltered bosom of the forests or along the small rivers and brooks the rainy season which commences in october continues with little intermission until april and though the winters are generally mild the mercury seldom sinking below the freezing point yet the tempests of wind and rain are terrible the sun is sometimes obscured for weeks 
the brooks swell into roaring torrents and the country is threatened with a deluge the departure of the indians to their winter quarters gradually rendered provisions scanty and obliged the colonists to send out foraging expeditions in the dolly still the little handful of adventurers kept up their spirits in their lonely fort at astoria looking forward to the time when they should be animated and reinforced by the party under mr hunt that was to come to them across the rocky mountains the year gradually wore away the rain which had poured down almost incessantly since the first of october cleared up towards the evening of the thirty first of december and the morning of the first of january ushered in a day of sunshine the hereditary french holiday spirit of the french voyageurs is hardly to be depressed by any adversities and they can manage to get up a fete in the most squalid situations and under the most untoward circumstances an extra allowance of rum and a little flour to make cakes and puddings constitute a regal and they forget all their toils and troubles in the song and dance on the present occasion the partners endeavoured to celebrate the new year with some effect at sunrise the drums beat to arms the colours were hoisted with three rounds of small arms and three discharges of cannon the day was devoted to games of agility and strength and other amusements and grog was temperately distributed together with bread butter and cheese the best dinner their circumstances could afford was served up at midday at sunset the colours were lowered with another discharge of artillery the night was spent in dancing and though there was a lack of female partners to excite their gallantry the voyageurs kept up the ball with true french spirit until three o'clock in the morning so passed the new year festival of eighteen twelve at the infant colony of astoria End of chapter twelve